economics is the study of human choice in the world we live. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By investigating faith in economics, we can learn how they lead to human flourishing. This is the Faith in Economics podcast, a presentation of the Gortney Institute at Ottawa University. Welcome to our show today. I'm Nate Johnson, the producer and graduate assistant for the Gordney Institute. Today on our show, we have Dr. Russ McCullough, the founder of the Gordney Institute and Wayne Angel Chair of Economics. We also have Dr. Justin Clark, the Menard Family Professor of Philosophy and Ethics. And finally, Dr. Peter Jacobson, the Gordney Professor of Economic Education and Research. All right. So today, since it is December, we thought some sort of discussion around consumerism, materialism, Christmas, Santa, maybe we'll sprinkle some Jesus in there. What are all these concepts? Are they related? Is a capitalist system necessarily creating this mindset that we all tend to, I guess, have some disdain for, but we all secretly love to indulge in it, I think. I don't know. So, Justin, how would you lay out consumerism? Well, it's one of the charges that usually gets levied during the holiday season is that Christmas is too commercial in America and too materialistic. And when people say that, I think they usually mean that it's too focused on consumption and that, you know, this consumption in the form of giving large exorbitant gifts. And that, so this charge is sometimes levied by people who think that it detracts from the religious nature of the holiday. And it's sometimes levied from people who also just think that there's a problem with consumerism in general. Unrelated yeah. to I was kind of thinking about that too, when I was saying that, that we all kind of have this disdain for it, almost no matter what religion or faith or lack of faith, even an atheist might say, ah, oh, that's what's wrong with society that we're too focused in on material. Look at all this gift giving when it could be going to the poor yeah. here. Okay, so how does capitalism play into that, Dr. Jacobson? Why don't you take over on capitalism? I mean, does it I think people would tend to argue that having a system set up on greed is not a good start for us. Yeah, well, those people would be wrong. <laughs> That's the best place to start. I think the, the easiest way to get into this is to define our terms. And I actually think the recently late Walter Williams has some really important definitions when it comes to this. I think we talk about consumption, but we don't often define it. And so Walter Williams' definition of consumption from our micro course was the destruction of utility-giving capacity. And so there are things in the world which can give you utility. A chocolate bar has the capacity to give you utility. And when you consume it, you extract the utility and you destroy its utility-giving capacity. So after you eat the chocolate bar, it can't give utility to anybody else. You destroyed it. And so that's what I view consumption as, is it's the destruction of utility capacity. Which would be the nature of a good, whether it's a private good or a public good, that maybe doesn't disappear. My yeah. enjoyment of the sunshine doesn't take away from your enjoyment of the sunshine if we're outside on a given day. Yes, right, yeah. Or us economists call it consuming sunshine. Yes, which yeah. That, that's what makes us weird. Yeah, this definition of consumption is like it's a rivalrous consumption. It's you, you destroy it when you take it in. But I don't think that capitalism encourages this particularly. That is, people do consume under capitalism, but everybody satisfies utility under every system, socialism, communism, everybody's trying to get some satisfaction, some happiness 
from food, from other things, from entertainment. It doesn't matter the system. Well, how would you boil down capitalism before we go much further? Capitalism is when there's private ownership of the means of production. Okay. And private being individuals. Yeah. Individuals own the machines uh, that produce other things. But only under capitalism is there really a strong incentive to have the wide-scale production that we have. And production is the creation of utility-giving capacity. And so, you know, a lot of times people say capitalism is consumeristic. Well, maybe, but it's only consumeristic because it's more producer-friendly than anything else. And in fact, it encourages people to be savers and producers, whereas most other systems, subsistence consumption is all that is the result. Another way to think about it is how would socialism get rid of consumerism? Or would it? Yeah, I, I, I don't see that, you know, maybe by getting rid of all the stuff to be consumed, that tends to be the, the root in socialism is that you, <laughs> you don't have any food or, you know, anything to consume. Sure. Yeah. No one consumes. Yeah, Problem yeah. solved. So if that's if that's your issue. But I, I don't think it gets rid of people's desire to consume things. You know, people have unlimited wants. That, and that's just something that is part of human nature. I'm reminded of Milton Friedman's Phil Donahue bit where... He's telling Phil, uh, do you think the communist czar doesn't have greed? Do you think where he's talking about that greed's not going to disappear, basically? It's just going to shift and redistribute to potentially other people in power in different forms of power. So, yeah. So, yeah. And that in that way, I think you're right. Consumerism might be less because there is less. Uh, We we shouldn't say otherwise, because that's what we believe, that capitalism generates more wealth than other forms organizations because since you can own private you can own the means of production privately you have an incentive to save right that's the whole point of capitalism is that there's an incentive to not just consume but to save and that savings is a promise of future consumption and so there it does kind of go back into itself but uh there there's nothing uh that resources do do for humans besides be consumed by them they don't serve any other function so do we have a chicken and egg problem here or not? I, I think when we point, whether Christian or not, to the season being consumerism and it's, it's pointing at the wrong thing, I guess what we're saying is we'd, we'd like to say, well, don't look at capitalism, look at consumerism. But consumerism gets its name because capitalism creates an abundance of goods. And so is that feeding on itself in a, in a detrimental way or how do we... How do we bring things back to not having a consumerist view? Well, there's also the the question of whether it really is a problem that people are, you know, so-called consumerists during the Christmas season. And just like, you know, you could, well, you know, another name for all the consumption that goes on during the Christmas season is, well, a lot of those are are gifts that are being given to each other. It's very, very little of the consumption that goes on during the Christmas season is you people buying things for themselves, right? And, you know, of course we all have this, we can have the image of the bratty kid who's getting all this stuff that they're not really appreciating, right? But, uh, you know, for every one of those, there's, you know, a bunch of kids that are really, really made joyful by the gifts that they get. I think you're right. I think we're, we have an empirical issue here. I think you're right that it might be 10 to one, maybe even more because we say this consumerism and we, I think the image of the bratty kid comes to mind because of Hollywood, maybe, or other, other media that gets thrown in us. But when we come around to the season, it seems like people are really mindful of others and they're, 
build building up the food shelves or whatever. So I'm too much of an economist, but I, I will I will bring back in, you know, even you know, the parents who do buy their bratty kid way too much stuff, like you know, that that wealth that they have is consumed and then they can't use that wealth to save and earn more money in the future. So, you know, capitalism selects out people who are overly consumptive in their habits. If you consume everything you get right away, you're not going to be rich and you're going to stop consuming as much in the future. Or better yet, your kids won't be rich because of the habits that you've given them. And so within a few generations, which I think there has been pretty good studies that even of the very wealthy within a few generations that wealth is dissipated and the kids didn't learn anything or how to manage wealth or whatever. Yeah, that's right. So for, for every gift that you give to someone, you have to have an income stream for that. So you, you know, if you're not getting a handout, you had to have worked for that or you have to have saved it and generated yeah. income. For Whereas it. on the flip side, when we have concentrated power in a socialist or communist system, then they're able to continue on that accumulation of whatever little wealth is still generated because I'm in my mind, I've got this dynamic thing here of we're, we're heading downhill with communism, but yet they can still garner the wealth. Whereas it gets dissipated when people can make voluntary choices and those choices are short-sighted and, and then bye-bye money. Yeah. Something tells me Kim Jong-un got a lot of cool Christmas presents when he was a kid. And it, <laughs> it, it didn't hurt Kim Jong-il at all. Um, no, but I, I think this is an important point, too, from a, a Christian perspective is, uh, you know, as a Christian, I, I also worry about people losing sight of what the holiday is and, you know, the, the meaning of it being about Jesus's birth. But at the same time. And that's distinct, right? Yes. I think you're bringing the Christian angle in, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I, that I, is distinct. I, I think that there's like a fear maybe, maybe people are losing that uh, to a certain extent, but I don't think that's related to the, I think the con, the consumption aspect of things. I mean, people are losing the meaning of Easter too in a different way, right? You know, the meaning of Easter, people are just not celebrating Easter anymore, right? And if they do, like maybe it's some chocolate and eggs and that sort of thing. So I think. Oh, meaning, yeah, we're not getting rid of the egg hunt. No, no, yeah. The there, there's, so. a, there's still some egg hunting going on, but the point is like, <laughs> <laughs> the meaning disappears in a more secular society either way it's just in one in christmas it's kind of being transformed into being replaced with like gifts under a tree but ultimately you know if the gifts are coming from a, a place of love and you're just trying to make someone else happy i don't see this as like directly contradictory to you know jesus's birthday being celebrated i don't see these as mutually exclusive things well, I, I kind of think this has changed over time. So me being 49, I have a fond memories of the 80s and 90s. And even though Peter wasn't even born at that point, but I think that has changed a bit. And I think despite us having higher per capita incomes now compared to the 80s or 90s, I think we're probably in a better place in terms of people caring about other people and maybe this is somewhat of a Midwest effect since we're sitting here in the middle of the country in Kansas. Perhaps it is different on the on the coast, but I, I my brother-in-law lives in LA area and I kind of see him the same way that they're still looking out for other people. And so I think the whole Jesus is the reason for the season thing is probably where some of this comes off of, of we're focusing in on Santa and gifts and material things, but those people aren't going to focus on Jesus anyway. Yeah, that, I think that's the main point is that, you know, the it's not actually the gifts that's a substitute. It's like anything's a substitute, and that's just the one that's being used. Yeah, yeah. And maybe we need that natural churning of the seasons. And I guess uh, as a Christian, I think that the Santa thing is maybe 
the gateway that, you know, maybe this Christmas, it's not going to happen for that person. Maybe next Christmas, it's not going to happen for this person. Maybe the following Christmas, it's not going to happen. But the fact that we always have this annual event that originally centered around the birth of Christ, that that will be an impetus for somebody to hopefully find the real reason for the season eventually. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that looks like a good spot for our break here on this consumerism topic. And we'll come back and try to weave in some other topics and maybe throw in a Bible verse even. So we'll be back in just a bit. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider giving us a five-star review. It helps other people find us. We'd like to do a mailbag episode. So please send your questions to info at GourtneyInstitute.org. The Gordon Institute at Ottawa University is the best place in the Midwest for students interested in freedom and justice and its impact on human flourishing, faith and economics in action. We have a new PPE league, which is philosophy, politics, and economics starting up here next year. Kind of an exciting term where we're going to have schools competing. Philosophy component will revolve around the importance of reason and free and honest discourse. The politics component will highlight the historical importance of the rule of law and limited government and the promotion of human flourishing. And the economics component will focus in on the role of freedom and markets in generating prosperity, focusing on the works of economists in the tradition of Adam Smith, Mises, Hayek, and Thomas Sowell. So look forward to that. If you or someone you know is looking for a college like this, contact Peter or Russ or Justin today. If you enjoy our podcast and want to support our work, please consider a one-time or reoccurring donation. Please visit donate.123povertysucks.org. All right, welcome back. So I promised a Bible verse, and I, I got to admit I was struggling a bit. So I, I was thinking that the inn owner was willing to give up a spot for Mary and Joseph in the manger where baby Jesus went. And then uh, we also kind of came up with the gift-giving tradition that the wise men came. And so Matthew 2.11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we do have some gift giving as a precedent from the Bible, which of course has translated in today's consumerism and the bratty kid getting, getting gifts and getting what they want. So you know, that bratty kid is probably a pleasure seeker of some sort to make him happy and mom and dad throw him some toys. So, Justin, tell us about hedonism. Well, if you'll remember, we had a podcast on hedonism. And hedonism is the, is in philosophy, is a theory of well-being. And as a theory of well-being, it attempts to define what it means to be well-off. And hedonism says you are well off and your life is there, you know, kind of worth living uh, to the extent that you are happy. And it kind of seems like something like hedonism might be behind some of these charges that Christmas is to a consumerist. And in the sense that, you know, uh, we are spending all this wealth to make that bratty kid happy and make that bratty kid well off. And then all this wealth is going to, um, you know, uh, is being consumed in that way. But listeners will know that I, of course, don't find hedonism compelling. I think there are ways of being made well off that uh, don't make you, aren't necessarily related to happiness. And of course, uh, I disagreed with all of them, but if I wanted to shove it all into a happiness function of some sort, but no, uh, you said that 
you thought hedonism was right if it was at least 50 percent which uh, isn't the definition okay yeah okay. all right so, fair enough uh, but one of the things that i think this overlooks when we talk about gift giving is that uh, you know you don't just give gifts to the child to make the child happy one of the reasons you give gifts to the child is to to make yourself uh, happy too you know i when i'm i'm really looking forward to giving gifts to my son this year my three-year-old i think it'll be the first year where he really kind of uh, gets into opening the presents and stuff like mm -hmm. that so this idea that only you know the, the recipient of the gift is the person who was made better off i think that's the wrong way to look at it and if and this focus on the consumption rather than the gift giving seems to be a theme. Uh, yeah. And that if we re reorient ourselves to look at this season is really about giving and how wonderful it is to give gifts that that's... See, now I look at what you said and say, you're trying to circle it back to self-interest and selfishness potentially. But uh, so I'm only giving because it makes me feel good, which was Andrioni's investigation of the warm glow, he called it, that when we give a gift, it's the little kickback that we get ourselves, but he certainly was arguing it's some fraction of the overall experience, but you do kind of have that selfish pleasure to yourself. So is that where hedonism is? It, it, does hedonism include that or is it all selfish or? Everything that I've said is actually pretty consistent with hedonism being uh, correct. Cause I said that you can be made off, made well off by being made happy by yourself giving a gift, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't say that that's the only reason you give the gift is to make yourself well off. I think you, you generally give gifts also to make the recipient well off. It's just that, um, we tend to not focus on the how much fun and how happy it can make you to actually give gifts itself. Well, since this is the Gortney Institute for Freedom, Justice, and Human Flourishing, I couldn't help but think of how the difference between happy within this hedonist framework that you're laying out and flourishing. I mean, do you got thoughts on what, what, what would be the difference between those? Happiness is usually defined as a kind of psychological state and flourishing, if we look back to like Aristotle's ethics, which is an ethics of flourishing, his eudaimonian ethics. And Aristotle said, you are flourishing when you are exercising all your capacities at the greatest extent possible. Now, to me, that kind of flourishing is compatible with being under, you know, a decent amount of stress. And I tend to think that that's a better view of what it means to live a flourishing life, to exercise all your capacities, than to be in a kind of psychological state of happiness that you can imagine when you go to the hospital and you get like a fentanyl drip and it all of a sudden, like, where that kind of happiness is kind of like, something like pleasure. So you're really right that when we say happiness, it's really vague and people use that to mean different things. Yeah, and I like the capacity part that sometimes I think part of flourishing, it might not feel good in the moment or it might not even feel terribly good after the fact because you might face some uncertainty in the thing where you're pushing your capacities and it might end up having a bad outcome. And so not only did it hurt while you were doing it, but in the end, it had a bad outcome and it wasn't really great, but knowing that you gave it all, part of flourishing, I think. Yeah, it would mean that you can live a flourishing life under difficult circumstances, yeah. which I think we want to say is possible. Right, right. 
Yeah. So, Peter, what do you think? Uh, no, I agree with this point. I think it's an important point that Justin brought up, and we can even see this just looking at the economics of things, that like you're not just giving gifts to receive gifts. And the way that we can tell is like if people were doing this like just as a pure like monetary thing, like it's all about, you know, making the other person like the best off like money-wise, like, you know, write checks to each other, right? Because if you write a check, the person can buy whatever they want. That's, you know, the thing that they want. But then you notice, well, you know, but people kind of like to get equal gifts. So in this world, everyone would just be writing the same size check to everybody else. <laughs> and, you know, everyone would end up with the same amount of money. This doesn't really work. And so it, it you know, what kind of, uh, I think, rises out of this is that gifts at Christmas time are about something deeper than just the thing that you're giving away. I think, you know, and this is reflected in the fact that the best gifts, not necessarily like always homemade necessarily, but the best gifts are gifts that you've like paid attention to what someone has said and without them expressing it to you, like with a, an explicit list. I mean, to me, at least in my experience in life, that's always the best gift. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to give that every time or that you can come close to that every time. But I remember the best gift I ever got from my wife. She mentions once to me when she was a kid, she used to, her and her friend would make up stories about this picture book they had of these weird pictures. And she never knew the name of it or the author. And I was able to track down that book and I gave it to her. Cheapest, you know, little gift, it was like $15. But I think that's the most anybody's ever appreciated a gift for me because I paid attention. Yeah. So it's, it, it's almost more about knowing the individual than it is, you know, I don't think people care much about, you know, maybe an Xbox or something like that. But I don't think people care much about like the, the money behind the gifts. So, so much it's kind of like the gift crappie. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> how so, Russ? <laughs> Well, you know, I put a lot of time and effort and, and cleaning up the fish, and then I listen to see if people actually eat fish. So I, I'm planning to do some crappie deliveries today. And so, yeah, that's what I think. It was, uh, you know, I, I, by law, I can't actually sell my crappie. So of in course. terms of the monetary value, it's just since this is being recorded, you know, I'm always following all of the rule of law in the state of Kansas on, on crappie gifts but uh, yeah that, that stuff means a little bit more now I, I think some people do do christmas for the exchange purposes and that's the part of christmas we don't like don't you think in terms of they're giving because they know they're going to get a gift or they want to get a gift i think there's a, a there's some fraction of people i think there's a certain extent to which like people can't always think of like the perfect gift and you know then they just substitute in like a more expensive gift or maybe even like a functional gift like one christmas i got my wife like a, a hand-powered vacuum cleaner because like the big one was hard for her to lug out all the time not, you know that's a functional gift it's not a very like romantic gift no one likes getting a vacuum cleaner but she actually told me the other day it's the gift she's used more than any other gift in her life and so i think that like Yes, sometimes people just give money or sometimes people just give the, the vacuum cleaner. But I think everyone sort of has like this implicit recognition that like you always would prefer to get someone a really thoughtful gift that like maybe they didn't even ask you for. Mm -hmm. like, that's the best gift. Even when I get gifts from my wife, she gives me a list, but I try to find something that's better than her list. And sometimes I succeed and uh, she doesn't tell me when I don't, but I'm sure that's happened as well. So I, I think there's some of that in there, but only because people, again, I think it's because people care about others and they want to make others happy. It's not because, you know, they just like want someone to get them PS5 so they're going to get them like a boomerang or something. Like that. But there's a decent amount of gift giving that's just because you think you have to do it. Like, 
oh, I have to go buy something for this person because otherwise they're going to think bad of me. Like, you don't even really want to buy the gift. Come on, admit it. There's some of that gift true. giving that goes What I'm getting from this conversation is that Peter's a good husband. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree. I agree. Sometimes I'm a weathered, grizzled veteran, I guess. When I was in my 20s, uh, I had the more romantic version. No, no. I, I, Peter is a spouse. I, yeah. I, I think I agree with I agree with you, Russ, that sometimes you feel obligated, but if you don't feel obligated for like no reason. You feel obligated because you do actually care about the other person and you don't want them to be disappointed. And so, like, but some gifts, <laughs> I, I think we give to people we don't I, even really like. I think, I think every gift, you know, maybe there are a few outlier exceptions, but every gift you would prefer to have gotten them, like for the same price, we'll say, a really thoughtful gift instead of like a here's a pair of socks sort of deal. Yeah, and and I think that reflects even the for that the curmudgeon that I am, perhaps, if I have to give a gift. You're just saying I would have rather given a gift. Yeah. Even if I feel like I'm forced to give a gift, I'd rather give a gift that would have came with thoughtfulness. Yeah. Now, now maybe there's a few people out there in the world that you do have to give gifts to who you actually don't like at all, and you'd prefer that to get them like a snake or something like that. I don't know, but I think that's like you know that doesn't characterize Christmas gift giving uh, very well. I think that's like an outlier. Yes. All right. So I guess we've uh, come around to a few things. I wanted to say, is spending money on gifts good for the economy? Like, I think some people might say, well, even if you don't like giving gifts, at least it's good for the economy. I mean, all these retailers this year or every year, really, you know, Black Friday is like the cash cow of days. And then we evolve into what is a small business Saturday and Cyber Monday and and some of that got kind of blown apart this year because of COVID that they started it early. They didn't want the mass crowds, but you know, if nothing else, even if we hate Christmas and we think it's consumer, at least it's good for the economy. Agree or disagree? I think it is, but not for the reason that people think. And so uh, to me, the economy, if we, we have to talk about good or bad for the economy, the economy is just a collection of people. And presumably no one's being forced into, you know, giving presents to each other. So to a certain extent, when you exchange gifts with someone, you're better off. And so the, the fact that you we are in a society where we can give gifts reflects a healthy economy. But I don't think like the jobs and the revenue to the businesses. I mean, if people as a whole decided tomorrow, uh, we're going to do like homemade presents only. I don't think that would make the economy worse off. Some people would lose their jobs. The economy would be restructured. These things would happen, but that's not a bad economy. You know, jobs are a means to an end, not an end. Well, I think I might disagree with you a little bit. I, I'm thinking back to Hayek and malinvestment on how things might be getting purchased that wouldn't otherwise get purchased. And so the thoughtful gifts I'm with you on that we enhanced there was a social benefit, but what about the gifts that people didn't really want or they don't find useful? So I think possibly even a larger fraction of gift giving ends up being in the hands of not the highest and best use Well, because of not being able to put in enough thought, or maybe there's just not possible from a knowledge standpoint. To, to me, malinvestment has to do specifically with when the government requires or, or uses some sort of forced to change the reward for saving. And that's like a very specific thing is when the government prints money 
it becomes, it, it lowers interest rate, it changes the incentive to save and invest. Uh, people invest more when the interest rate's lower and that causes a boom and a bust. I think that's what Hayek's talking about there. Now you could still buy things for other people that they don't end up enjoying, just like you can buy things for yourself that you don't end up enjoying, like, right? You could go to the grocery store and try new food and it sucks. I don't think that's a bad investment or a malinvestment. I think in a world of expensive information, you know, the efficient amount of mistakes is greater than zero. People should make mistakes giving gifts because, you know, it would be really hard to know everyone perfectly. But I don't think that reflects a bad, you know, a problem with the economy. It's just reflects reality more than anything. So you wouldn't consider fruitcake factories a malinvestment, though, <laughs> you know, nobody enjoys that. They just get purchased. If everybody, Seasonally. if nobody enjoyed them, they would not exist. Okay. At the very, maybe this is for the small group of people who want to give their enemies snakes, and they're the ones purchasing for Vegas. But somebody's getting a benefit from it. I just don't know who. All right. So let me rephrase this. So I think what I'm saying is I'm not trying to get rid of gift giving because I, I think there's a. I, I think I could get you to admit maybe right away once I say this, but there is a bit of a broken window fallacy here. That if we're spending money on a broken window people say that that's good for the economy to me the broken window potentially is the gift that really wasn't wanted and maybe it's a ten dollar gift so it's not even worth the transaction cost of like taking it back or it came without a receipt and so it gets shoved in the closet and that money what else would that have been spent on had we not given the gift that we didn't really want to give in the first place then you would have went out and maybe you bought something for yourself, but you wouldn't have bought it for yourself if you didn't think it was gonna be useful for yourself to go out and buy that new pair of shoes or the new uh, suit coat. So I think there's a little bit of a broken window thing going on. And so my argument would be, it's not that I wanna get rid of gift giving, but I think there might be too much gift giving than optimal. Here's what I would say is, I think oftentimes gift giving is justified with a broken window fallacy, but I don't think there's you know, nothing about economics requires that society like give a certain amount of gifts, correct or otherwise, to be good. It's, it's sort of like, you know, markets don't clear. How do I know that? If you go to a grocery store, there's stuff on the shelves. Shelves are full. That means that there is an inventory. There's a quantity supply that is greater than the quantity demanded. Why is there an inventory? Because information is costly. It's hard to tell exactly if your customer, you know, is going to want 10 gallons of milk this week or just one. And so you keep an inventory on hand so you don't piss anybody off, right? Um, I think the same is true of gifts. You know, I don't think that inventories are wasteful. I don't think gifts are wasteful. Sometimes you make mistakes. Sometimes inventory goes bad. But I think that's, again, it just reflects reality. It doesn't reflect a problem with anyone or anything. But you'd agree that one of the foundational principles of our the positive things we talk about on this podcast and to our, our students is the voluntary nature of it. Yes. Right, of exchange. And so to that extent, that's where I'm saying, like, if, if gift giving is purely voluntary, great. But if we have social constructs that make us feel guilty that we have to give, it's kind of borderline gun to the head involuntary. If I don't give this gift to my, <laughs> I, I think we we'll have to have another podcast. To my uncle's kid, then is that all part of a healthy system, or or am I onto something here? That I, I think you're kind of trying to get out of giving some gifts. <laughs> I, I think it's a different podcast, but to me, voluntary means you do it 
without any violence on you and involuntarily means you do it only because there's violence on you. Uh, I, oh, I there'd be violence on me if I didn't give that gift. Uh, well, I mean. it, you know, if there's if there's physical violence on you for not giving a gift for us, absolutely. There's too much gift giving in your household. Uh, certainly. All right. Well, I hope the audience understands I'm purely playing devil's advocate today and that I fully... <laughs> fully support all gift giving whether you thought about it or not and it really helps the economy i don't know i'm gonna just leave that all fuzzy i think would be a good place to bring this podcast to a close unless you guys have anything else to to add as final comments which i'm dreading to hear uh it was interesting to hear that uh, you give so many people crappie but that uh, the state forbids you from charging them what you otherwise would want to do. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. You're probably on something there. That's right. Merry Christmas. That's the only final thoughts I have. Merry don't, Christmas. Don't and this might reason. come out after Christmas, I guess. So happy holidays, maybe at this point, uh, uh, wherever. I'm not sure NATO and the timing of this podcast is coming out, but it'll be around that time. So on behalf of the Gorton Institute here at Ottawa University, we'd like to thank you all for listening. We enjoy putting this on, if you can't tell, as we chum around on these ideas that we throw out and uh, happy to bring it to you uh, week after week. So uh, other than that, be fruitful and multiply. Thanks. <laughs>